Hi, this is Dave Bradshaw, and you're listening to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Scott McLeod here for Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, and I'm joined today by the voice of Defiant Wrestling and New Generation Wrestling, it's Dave Bradshaw. Hello, Dave. Hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm very good. Uh, thank you again for joining us. A oh, pleasure to be here. Thank you. And uh, for just going to jump straight in, uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, I was going to take you back and ask, how did you first get into wrestling? How did I first get into wrestling? Um, so I was, uh, it was about 10 years ago. Um, and I'd just come out of university um, and I, I did student radio while I was at university um, and I've always been a wrestling fan. So, um, so I uh, got, um, uh, got in, like, I looked up on the internet a couple of local wrestling promotions. I found one near where I was living in London called IPW UK. We're still going today. Um, and I spoke to them. They eventually gave me uh, an audition to become their play-by-play commentator, um, and I passed. So I started commentating with them in, um, in kind of September 2008. So I've been doing this for just over just over a decade now. And how did you find commentating when you first started? <laughs> it's hard. Uh, it's <laughs> difficult, like to start with, because you have to learn. You know, you have to, your job is to. I think Jim Ross, you know, once said, you're, you're, the wrestlers make the music and you provide the lyrics, right? So, you know, you have to um, be adding something, you know, otherwise what's the point? So you've got to find a way to, you know, work out what's the compelling part of the story that the guys in the ring are trying to tell um, and be able to put that across in a kind of, in a succinct sort of, you know, kind of way, which isn't always easy to do. You, you know, if you're working with someone also, you've got to learn what they, you know, how they work. Uh, you've got to get that kind of chemistry between you and your commentary partner. So yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to to start with, but the only you know the only way to get better at it is to practice. You said that you were a fan. How old were you when you first started watching? Uh, I was eight years old when I first watched. Uh, so so I'm, I'm telling you my age now, but this was so it was like 1991, uh, and it was just around kind of spring summertime. So just before like it was after WrestleMania seven, just before like SummerSlam '91. So uh, and I saw on on Sky TV around my cousin's house, I saw uh, like the UK Rampage, um, one of those like UK tour events that was like a Sky exclusive uh, pay-per-views. I remember my first match even, it was, uh, I watched uh, Ted DiBiase and uh, Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich uh, in a match from London. And then uh, moments later, I was hooked and I've been been into it ever since. Uh, and who were some of your favourites when you first started? Because everybody always has the people, those people that kind of stick out to them when they first start watching. Uh, oh, well, well, the following year, I went to SummerSlam 92 at Wembley. Um, and I was very pro Ultimate Warrior back then. Um, so me and my friend who I went with, uh, we were in our Ultimate Warrior face paint, and we had like a, a banner and all that kind of stuff. I was always more a warrior than Hogan, you know, um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So um, I loved watching that match from WrestleMania 6 where he won the title from Hogan. That was awesome. Um, so I was always into the, into 
uh, into him when I was younger. And then, I don't know, I think when I like, wouldn't move in towards the, like the sort of mid nineties, I was really into uh, Brett and Owen Hart. Um, so, you know, later on in life, I got to meet Brett Hart a few times and that was just incredible for me because I'm a huge Hart family fan. Um, and then I guess in the Attitude Era, I was kind of a, I was more rock than Austin. Uh, and I was <laughs> loved the Hardy Boys, all that kind of stuff. And and to be honest, you know, I was always like a WWE or WWF guy. Um, you know, w- until well into my well, until I was sort of eighteen, nineteen, really. I I was aware of WCW because it used to be on like, ITV back in the early nineties. So I watched a bit of WCW back in like when Sting had blonde hair and Big Van Vader was there and Cactus Jack and all that kind of stuff. But um, I was never watching WCW during like the NWO or Goldberg or any of that. So in the, in the kind of the, during the Monday night wars, I was strictly a, a WWE guy. And then sort of in the early two thousands, I uh, discovered British wrestling and I discovered uh, a bit more about independent wrestling in the U S and kind of expanded my, uh, my horizons a little bit. Yeah. I think that's so. Most of us are all like, strictly WWE and then we only over time discover new wrestling because I only started watching indie wrestling like 2011, 2012 that was probably because more indie guys were coming into WWE like Daniel Bryan CM Punk. Yeah that's right and you know what and commentating helps a lot you know for me as a fan you know because I get to I discover things that I wouldn't normally watch um, because I've you know been given them as commentary assignments so um, like you know I, I got into Japan uh, to start with, because I um, because I got given some New Japan stuff to commentate, you know, so some of those early um, Okada Tanahashi matches, all that kind of stuff, um, Naito, um, all of those guys, I, I I got to know primarily as a commentator first, which was cool. Same with Mexico as well. So I've commentated uh, both CMLL and AAA, like the two sort of biggest promotions historically in Mexico. Um, and, you know, and that, that's a, a different style of pro wrestling as well. So I've been very lucky because, you know, commentating helps has helped me to be exposed to all different styles from all around the world. You're also, for, for a time, involved with WrestleTalk TV as kind of a host and as a interviewer. How did uh, you get involved with that? Uh, well, WrestleTalk was founded by uh, Alex Shane. He's a good friend of mine, mentor of mine. Um, and um, I'd been working with Alex uh, as a commentator on various projects in WA, um, you know, which is a very famous and important British promotion that uh, was sort of reborn in the, it was, its peak years are generally considered to be sort of 2002 to 2005, that kind of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, it had a rebirth in around 2009, 10. Uh, and for a couple of years there, I was commentating on that. And that was, you know, Alex was the creative mind behind that. And so um, after that, I disappeared for a couple of years, sort of around 2011, because I went to the US to live for a couple of years. Um, and then by the time I came back in 2013, 2014, WrestleTalk was really, uh, you know, flying. It was on Challenge TV. Um, and so I did some stuff for them. So I did... Um, more than well, not not so much wrestle talk. The, the main thing I did was we, there was a short-lived monthly show uh, about British wrestling that was after after wrestle talk. So wrestle talk was on Challenge uh, at eleven o'clock on a Sunday night, and then one month, sorry, one Sunday out of every month, straight after wrestle talk, we would have this half-hour show called uh, British Wrestling Weekly, um, uh, which was kind of a oh, sorry, British Wrestling Roundup. It was called, excuse me. So it was like a. Um, 
almost like match of the day for British wrestling, you know, was the idea. Yeah. So, so like uh, highlights from a few matches. We'd have a couple of um, people in the studio. We had like Soraya Knight there sometimes, Doug Williams, Greg Burridge, those kinds of people um, sort of in, in the studio, mm-hmm. experienced guys. Um, and, you know, they would talk through what they'd just seen. So, so I did that for a while. And then, yeah, I did a couple of interviews for Wrestle Talk as well. Uh, I had, uh, what did I do? I did, um, I was on the panel a few times, uh, like, you know, sitting in the studio uh, there. And I did, um, oh, I interviewed Bret Hart for them. That's the first time I met Bret Hart was, was for Wrestle Talk. Oh, Dallas Page, I, I interviewed through Wrestle Talk, which was really cool. Diamond Dallas Page is uh, awesome. Um, Raven, I met there. I think that, that that did the rounds on the internet. That one because I had a nice little run in with Raven. He was uh, Raven's an interesting character. He's an interesting, cool guy. Um, uh, he obviously very passionate about his his vision for for pro wrestling, but he's also you know what what didn't get so widely seen as the, um, uh, the this kind of exchange we had on Wrestle Talk was I also did like a half hour in depth interview with him about his life and career, which was really cool. Um, uh, yeah, he's a really interesting, very, very strong like mind for the, for the wrestling business. Very, very, I think he's underrated actually, historically Raven as, you know, in terms of his creativity. So lots of interesting people I met um, through doing WrestleTalk, yeah. And like, said, like you said, it was on Challenge and at that time, I think mm. this is, I think when it came on Challenge, it was kind of just pre the new boom period that we're in now of British wrestling. So how important was it at that time, they have a wrestling show on British like TV. Um, yeah, I think it, you know, I think it was very important because you know Challenge Challenge TV is is a freeview channel, right? So it, mm-hmm. you know it, it did more households than Sky Sports, uh, and you know immediately before WrestleTalk, every Sunday was uh, Impact was on in those days, um, and so that was kind of uh, important because um, you know because there was a it, impacted well in the ratings purely because it had such a large number of, of houses that it could get into. And so a lot of the, a lot of the viewers from impact would stay on to watch wrestle talk. And then, and then hopefully the you know, British wrestling roundup as well on the weeks that that was on. So I think maybe that exposed some fans of impact wrestling to the British scene in a way that, uh, that they wouldn't have been aware of that scene if, if they had, but you know, there's a lot of things that was one small, very small part of what, of why British wrestling uh, had, had a boom period. But, you know, the, the talent in British wrestling had been there for a very long time. You know, like some of the guys who are now uh, big, big names, like Zack Sabre Jr., Marty Skrull, I, I worked with both of them uh, extensively in the, you know, in the late 2000s. They were, they were you know, world-class talents back then, and lots of other guys as well who I could name. So, so British wrestling had been waiting to explode for a while. I don't, I don't, I couldn't honestly tell you what, what one thing made it explode in the way that it did, um, you know, around when would you say maybe five or six years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, but there were lots of, you know, lots of great promotions uh, that, that really sort of led the way in that. Um, and it's just it, the last five years have been just an incredible time to be around the British wrestling scene. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about uh, coming for commentating for Triple uh, A and Mexican wrestling. And mm-hmm. I was wondering how you, that came about and was it kind of a learning experience for you, kind of having to learn who a lot of these people were as you were yep. commentating? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, wasn't, I wasn't commentating directly for, um, for AAA. So it was like it was a, 
uh, French broadcast company who'd bought the rights essentially to that footage so that they could distribute it around, um, you know, various countries around the world. And they needed, uh, obviously, they needed English language commentary on it, right? Because the, mm -hmm. the, the footage came with Spanish commentary, which is no good for an English speaking audience. So, yeah. um, so I you know, we were basically given the footage uh, and I would record it um, often with Alex Shane, actually, as, as co-commentator. Uh, we would record it in a studio in London, um, and um, uh, and yeah, we you know we we did I don't know how many hours of that we did. We probably did at least like sixty hours, eight maybe eighty hours of uh, of AAA stuff. So yeah, you get to know the product uh, very well, and and as I said, it's a very different style. So AAA uh, or Lucha Libre as a whole, but you know AAA in particular in some ways is is very different in just in the rules for example right so if you're in like a they have a lot of six-man tag matches in in AAA and you know there's but, but they don't need to tag so if you're if you're if you get thrown out of the ring say say you get Hurricane Rana or something and it, and it throws you out of the ring then your partner can come in without without tagging so there's lots of different you know lots of different norms in Mexican wrestling um, and it's just a very different atmosphere, big, big carnival style thing. They're not so, I, I think it's fair to say they're not so obsessed with, um, or not so interested in, in realism sometimes. Um, you know, they're more interested in it being a, a spectacle, uh, as opposed to say Japanese wrestling, where it's presented very much as a legitimate sport. Mm -hmm. Mexican wrestling is much more about the kind of party atmosphere. Um, and so it's very different. It's a very different challenge commentating each of those you know japanese style you call it like you're like you're you know watching a, an amateur wrestling match you know you commentate it as a sporting event um mexican wrestling you might have to do a lot more work in, in getting the sort of the um you know you're, you're there to project the personalities uh and to sort of um convey the atmosphere uh of the whole event which is is a tricky thing to do yeah and it can be quite jarring for some more Western audience to uh, when they first watch it, and did you kind of feel it was on you and Alex to kind of try and explain to the new audience and get over who these characters and what the rules were? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. You do have to first of all, you have to educate yourself on that, like I said. But then you know, once you've done that, you, yeah, you need to, um, you know, you need to to then explain to your audience exactly what they're watching and make sure that on a basic level they understand it and then you can get more into the sort of the history of the the feuds the rivalries the, the characters involved uh but yeah yeah absolutely you need to um make sure everyone understands the the basic you know principles the rules of the matches they're watching yeah and uh, another company that you've been commenting for is new gen wrestling and yeah mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's kind of one of these companies I, myself, I don't think I'm very familiar with. And I'm not sure if some of you who are listening may be familiar with. So let's uh, say if you'd fill some people in on what New Generation is and how long you've been involved in it for people who are maybe unfamiliar. Yeah, New Generation Wrestling, NGW. So they've been around actually for uh, quite a long time. I think over I think over a decade now. Uh, and they started out very small, actually. They're, they're, they're based in Hull in Yorkshire. Um, and they started out, you know, Sort of playing in in very small venues to very small crowds, but they've grown and grown and grown. Um, they've got some incredible talent there that that goes there, and also that's been developed there. So Nathan Cruz, for example, uh, who's who's been a, a, their undisputed champion multiple times, came through that whole NGW uh, training academy. Um, Matt Myers is is another one. Liam Slater, 
who's been part of World of Sport and he's also been on Defiant and various other companies. So they've produced a lot of talent. Uh, and nowadays they're playing to, you know, the, the big shows they do are in Hull City Hall, uh, or at least some of them are. So they, they've been playing you know, to much bigger crowds, a great venue, Hull City Hall. Uh, and then in recent times as well, they've, they've been spending school holidays um, doing the, the summer camps. So they do a lot of work with Butlins uh, around the country. So they're playing to, you know, in, in any given sort of six-week summer holiday period, they, 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 are, their brand, their their style of wrestling is exposed to you know, literally thousands of people on these summer camps, as well as all the stuff they put out on YouTube and on local TV uh, around the country. So they're one of the um, one of the sort of underrated gems i think of british wrestling or ngw because they don't necessarily get the same um same exposure among the sort of uh the, the british wrestling fan base that um that some of the more famous current promotions get but um but ngw is a great promotion i've, I've been really pleased to be uh, involved with it um more closely for the past i guess maybe i think maybe two or three years now that i've been doing commentary on their stuff as well so um yeah i love ngw really great time yeah i think that's one of the one of the only few downsides to this whole boom period is that there's so much wrestling now out there and especially in the uk alone that some mm-hmm. promotions don't maybe don't get the attention from some people that they maybe they deserve yeah i mean i mean that's one of the uh, it's, it's a it's a nice problem to have if you're a wrestling yeah. fan right but it's still mm-hmm. a problem <laughs> in that like there is even just if you even if you weren't watching any independent wrestling, if you're just watching the WWE network, you know, there's so much stuff on there now, like and increasingly so because you know as you know they launched NXT UK and and they've got you know all the all the other programs they put out weekly. So even just on WWE's content alone, you'd struggle to keep up. And then if you're watching like New Japan, uh, you know, World of Sport when it was on in the summer, uh, hopefully that you know might come back in the new year. We'd uh, I haven't been told either way whether that's happening but you know and then you've got all of the 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 top promotions in the uk have their own on-demand services we have one with uh, with defiant wrestling i know you know progress and rev pro and icw all of those guys mm-hmm. have on demand so there's no you'd have to you wouldn't be able to sleep if you wanted to watch all of the all of the rest all of the like high quality wrestling content that you can watch now which is lovely uh but also uh it means you've got to be a bit more selective in what you choose to watch yeah, it's kind of that old adage, too much of a good thing. Oh, yeah, I don't know if it's too much, but it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's too much to be able to see it all, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it gives you lots of choice, you know, so if there's, if there's particular wrestlers uh, who you really like, you know, then you can seek them out and uh, and watch as much of them as you want because there's so many places that a lot of these guys are getting exposure now, which is great. Yeah, and as I said at the top of the center of your mentioned that your work with Defiant Wrestling, formerly WCPW. Uh, mm-hmm. Before you came to work with them, they were kind of gaining a lot of popularity online via, via their articles and their YouTube channel. Uh, were you aware of what culture before you came on board to WCPW? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was uh, uh, watching their, um, you know, I was watching a lot of their top 10 videos and stuff, all, all of the stuff they were putting out. Um, and uh, I was excited, actually, when I heard they were making a, a promotion because I loved a lot of the the personalities who were on their videos uh, and to see some of those YouTubers mixed with some of the top British wrestling talent I thought was going to be really cool um, and that was before I knew I was going to even be uh, involved in it so when I got asked 
to commentate on it, I was, I, I mean, I didn't even have to think about it. I was it immediately wanted to do that because um, uh, I thought it was a really innovative way of starting up a new wrestling promotion, you know, to, to channel that popularity you've had from starting a YouTube channel and then to use that to start a promotion, I thought was very interesting, very uh, 21st century way of starting a wrestling promotion. So I was interested to see where it, where it led and it's been an interesting, uh, exciting two years since. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it was that that they, who was it exactly that reached out to you about commenting uh, for them? Um, I'm trying to remember. So originally, I was commentating with Alex, uh, who I've commentated on, you know, on lots of things. Uh, and I think they, um, the 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 guys who own What Culture, um, reached out to him because uh, they'd seen uh, him and me, you know, working together on on uh, NGW. Um, and in fact, the NGW stuff was actually being put out on the What Culture YouTube channel back then. Uh, and so they decided they'd quite like us to commentate on their on their product as well. Um, and yeah, the first couple of shows we did, we did in post production. So we did them in London. But then really quickly, we moved to by sort of August 2016, I think we were doing them. Um, you know, we were in person in the arena, which is much more fun. Like, I, I definitely prefer you know, live commentating because you get the feel of the crowd. You're, you're much more in the moment if you're doing it live rather than uh, sitting in a, you know, an empty room, you know, watching footage on a TV. So, um, so yeah, we, we pretty quickly got to do it live and, um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been so exciting, you know, uh, so, so many ups and downs. I've met so many, you know, great, great um, talents from all around the world and, um, and it's just getting better. You know, we've got our, our weekly show, Back now loaded, which mm-hmm. is on YouTube every Sunday night at eight o'clock, um, which had been uh, going out. We had, um, you know, for the best part over a year, in yeah. fact. But now we're uh, we're back weekly, which I think is important because you know it, it gives us and it gives our fans, um, you know, a chance to watch us for free every week and see what we're all about. Um, and then we have you know pay per views as well throughout the year on our um, on our on-demand service access defiant so um, so yeah it, it's a really exciting time for us um, there was a lot you know there's a lot of uncertainty around what our promotion was going to do uh, when loaded got cancelled a year or so ago because you know it was well documented at the time that YouTube changed their uh, how they monetize pro wrestling videos which had to change the whole business model for defiant um, and so you know they had to spend some time the guys who run defiant um, you know, thinking about how best to uh, how best to you know run a, a sustainable business model after that happened, uh, but they found a way. Obviously, uh, I, I don't get involved in that. I just uh, show up and commentate. But they've they found a way to make it work, and that's that's just really wonderful news for everyone who's uh, involved and for everyone who's a fan of Defiant because yeah, Loaded is now is uh, now back weekly, and that's um, that's you know really good for everyone. Absolutely, and especially since YouTube is such an important. Uh, especially nowadays in getting a product out there, like you said, everybody can see it for free. Yep, yeah, that's right. You know, uh, and and as you, and as you said, right, there's a lot of wrestling content out there, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know, it, it, for for Defiant or for anyone, if they want if they want people to uh, pay for their on-demand content, when when wrestling fans have so many other companies vying for their for their money, you know, then you've got to show you've got to get people hooked on your product. Right, you've got to you've got to be able to show to make people excited about the, the the things you want them to pay for, and you know, Defiant very 
very smartly have have realized that you know the best way to do that to develop a fan base is to make sure you're giving them weekly uh weekly content to get excited about and if you do that then then hopefully you know the fans are the fans like what you're doing they're prepared to give you their time give you their money to make sure that you can keep going um and that's that's all you can ask for we have we have some amazing fans who've stuck with us from the beginning we've got some fans who are just discovering us now and um you know everyone's welcome we we love having everyone there it's really it's really as i say it feels like an exciting time again uh, with defiant now we've loaded starting up um again and just uh, there's a real buzz around that around defiant as we head into 2019 you talked before about uh what goes already had that following via youtube when it started its promotion but did uh, even with that was it still a surprise when it kind of you know took off quite bigger than I think anybody could ever expect like especially in 2016 they was thinking it was voted like most popular promotion or something like that and then even in 2017 the popularity just grew yeah I mean you know it's really interesting because as I, I think the first time I commentated for Defi or what culture as it was then was uh was June or July 2016 and by October of that year so only how many months later is that three months later we would play. I mean, I, I remember we did a, we did a show called uh, called True Legacy, mm-hmm. uh, which was um, uh, which was headlined by Kurt Angle against Cody Rhodes, and we did it in um, an ice rink in in Manchester in Altrincham, um, with a crowd of like two and a half thousand, you know. And this was this was a promotion that was still only four or five months old. Um, and interestingly, as well, when we did those shows, we did a, a meet and greet in the afternoon before we did that show in the evening. Um, and the lines for, for the guys who were on YouTube were just as long as the lines for some of the top wrestlers, you know, for Kurt Angle and for uh, Bret Hart was there, you know, some of those guys. And so it, was, it really made you realize that actually uh, WCPW or Defiant as it is now is a different kind of wrestling promotion in a lot of ways because the, the fan base that developed around that promotion wasn't just wrestling fans who were also sampling all of the other big independent promotions but it was youtube you know youtube fans if you like who were watching the the what culture youtube channel and got into the promotion that way rather than people who were fans of 10 other independent promotions and just wanted an 11th one to watch if you know what i mean um and so the youtube element as i say was was just as much an important part uh, of developing that company and, and the kind of the explosive growth that it had in 2016. Yeah, and I suppose it must be quite jarring for the likes of a Kurt Angle or Bret Hart to come over and see that people from YouTube who they probably didn't know getting as big a line as them and probably quite jarring for them. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they had big lines as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think it was. Um, I think, they, I think they, from what I saw, they took it all in their stride. You know, they real they realized that that was the the nature of of uh, of the world. You know, at this point, is that the people gain celebrity you know on youtube mm-hmm. in a very short period of time um and you know i'm sure they, i'm sure they weren't angry about it because it was giving them another great platform to perform on you know so um and, and we've had lots of those guys over you know brett hart's been there as i said Kurt angle we have ray mysterio uh, alberto del rio or alberto el patron as he goes by uh, cody rhodes has been um w- was an important part of the company for several months in the early going um loads of those Big, big former WWE names. Uh, Stu Bennett, of course, who was Wade Barrett, was our general manager for a while. Um, and so that's been important too, because you draw in people who are maybe 
WWE fans or TNA fans, but hadn't watched any British wrestling. Um, and so by bringing in some of those names, particularly in the early days of, of WCPW, they were able to um, attract people who were fans of that as well. Uh, and so that brought in a new audience. Yeah, and I have noticed uh, and re- most recently that it was kind of more of a reliance on the kind of more homegrown talent rather than in the early days where it was bringing over a lot of well-known names, which is good to start off with. I think now they're starting to, seems like Defiant are starting to focus on their own talent. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the thing again, like I said, the British scene is incredible. Mm-hmm. And and the, t- the, the depth of, of, you know, high... You know, hugely talented individuals in the UK is such that you really don't need to go elsewhere mm-hmm. to find some of the absolute best. You know, Defiant still brings in some guys from the US occasionally, and they've, yeah. they've um, got talent they use from Germany and elsewhere. Um, but you know, they are, um, you know, yeah, they, they've they've been able to make a, a really compelling product uh, while focusing more on on UK based talent in the past year or so. Um, and I, I don't think, you know, I don't think the quality has suffered at all. The quality has been tremendous. And and it just goes to show um, just how strong, you know, that the health of the UK scene is uh, at the moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't say that the quality had suffered anyway. I was just saying that early on, it mm. seemed to draw people in. They were kind of using the former names, but now we're kind of showcasing the depth of the, the British wrestlers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, we started off as uh, working alongside Alex. You've been you're now working with uh, James R. Kennedy. Yeah, And how is it different working with James than when you're working with Alex? Well, well, I mean, yeah, they're both uh, they're both pretty obnoxious in their own ways, to be honest. Uh, James R. Kennedy, I'll tell you, he's the only man I've ever worked with, ever or ever seen in a locker room who. Got one of the, I don't know, are they eyelash straighteners or curlers? I don't know what they're, what they're for, but he's got some device that he uses to apparently try and make his eyelashes look better before he goes out. He's, he spends time like grooming his beard in the mirror uh, before he ever goes out to be on camera. And, you know, we're not even on camera that much. We were on camera for like a few seconds uh, at the start, you know, or between matches where we're talking about what's coming up next. But he is absolutely um, the most self-absorbed human being you could ever end up working with he's um he's annoyingly quite good at what he does uh but he is um yeah he is uh everything that i think a human being should not be <laughs> yeah and uh yeah it comes off weird that he's in the same as eyelashes when he does wear sunglasses and off a lot when he's on camera yeah which is which is also stupid <laughs> because we work in mostly dark rooms you know we're in a we're in a dark arena with some spotlights and stuff you absolutely do not need to have sunglasses on but like someone at some time in his life obviously told him that that is a cool thing to do and so despite a million people since telling him it's ridiculous he insists on doing it i can't i can't work i can't get inside that man's brain i've got no idea what's going on only person who knows is probably him yeah well yeah i mean he's a i don't think you know he doesn't have a lot of people he uh socializes with as far as I'm aware so there's not many people who've managed to work him out yeah uh, now you talked about how the kind of the depth and talent and not only Brown but in around the world now and that was kind of showcased when uh, Defiant put on the first ever pro wrestling world cup uh, yes what was your first reaction when you heard about this concept and what did you how did you think it turned out 
Uh, my first reaction was it was uh, very, very ambitious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was, you know, for people who don't know, it was a 64-man knockout tournament. And so the way it worked was um, there were eight qualifying tournaments. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, um, so eight groups of eight um, and, and based around different countries. So for example, there was an eight-man tournament uh for england uh one for scotland there's one for usa canada i'm gonna get them wrong now germany mexico japan and rest of the world i think that's eight right mm -hmm. uh and so we had you know two, uh eight man tournaments for each of those eight places uh and two people advanced to a last 16 um from all of them and it was again that's another thing that was really cool for me um because as i'm sure it was for a lot of um you know, defiant or, or what culture fans, because there were a lot of talents from around the world who, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of before. I didn't know much about the German wrestling scene at the time, mm -hmm. for example, um, Mexico and Japan a little more. Um, but yeah, some of the guys we had in the rest of the world qualifiers, I didn't really know. And, and so it's been really interesting, uh, Canada as well. So it was really interesting to me to kind of expand my um, wrestling knowledge base and see, you know what what the rest of the world was producing in terms of independent wrestlers and we had some real like stars come out of that as well um you know particularly those who made it to the last 16 and then we did sort of uh, we recorded um a last 16 event a, a quarterfinals and then a semis and a final um all across a five-day period um in summer of 2017 you know and there were some real um breakout stars there speedball mike bailey for example um, who you know represented Canada? He he was just an absolute revelation. Who I'd never heard of before that tournament. You know, maybe maybe others had, but I certainly didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I think Speedball is one of the absolute best, you know, independent pro wrestlers on the planet. Um, I just think he's stunning. Um, then you've got uh, Lucky Kid from Germany. You know, who was uh, who again is someone who I at the time I'd never heard of, but he's he's one of the most exciting young talents in the world. You know, and then. And then you've got guys who we knew would be really good, you know, so there's, there was Will Ospreay, there was Kushida, you know, those two ended up um, facing off against each other in the final. There was um, Travis Banks, you know, who was becoming a really big star uh, on the, the UK scene, but of course was representing his native New Zealand. So uh, lots of incredible guys and just, uh, just some remarkable matches. Rey Mysterio was in that tournament as well. Uh, and Mysterio had a, you know, a match with Osprey that none of us will uh, soon forget. You know, there was just so much cool, so many cool pairings, you know, and the, the, the tournament bracket threw up. Uh, and by the time, um, you know, that, that final happened and the, the final bell rang um, for, you know, that Kushida Will Osprey match, I think we all knew. I think everyone who'd been watching it knew that we'd all seen something pretty special. And, and credit to, you know, everyone involved for pulling that off. Because as I say, there were, there were some people who were pretty sceptical when that was announced that that any any independent promotion could pull off a 64-man a tournament of that nature. But they did it um, incredibly. And it, it's one of the... I, I consider it a career highlight, one of my favourite um, sort of... That, 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 that five-day period when we recorded the last 16 through to the final um, was just one of the best you know, five-day periods I've, I've ever had working in wrestling. It was amazing. Yeah, especially when I heard about it, I kind of thought myself, like, why nobody else had ever done it before? And it's probably because of, like you said, how ambitious it is with the... Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, 
and I mean, you know, the, the, the qualifying started in, I can't remember when the first qualifier was, but I think it was maybe March or something. Yeah, and, and, you know, the finals weren't until August. So just on a purely logistical level, apart from anything else, you may have someone who qualified from their, from their qualifying tournament in March. And by the time August rolls around, they may be injured or they may have had a, 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 a diary clash and can't show up for some of the dates. And so to be able to juggle all of those, you know, um, all those balls at the same time and, and keep the whole thing going uh, and be able to produce a, um, a very well-run tournament with, with that many people from that many places around the planet was, um, yeah, it was quite something. Yeah, and also with there still being quite a depth of talent around the world, do you think it's possible that Frank could possibly put on another World Cup sometime in the future? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard of any plans to do it again, but, you know, if the fans want it, then... Um, then they, they need to you know make that clear and hopefully um you know hopefully that's that's uh i'd like to see something like that again because as i say I, I think it was one of the uh one of the best experiences i've had either as a commentator or a fan uh in wrestling so um so who knows you know never say never right yeah absolutely uh now a lot of the talent that you've uh, commented on in ngw and in defiant have all recently made appearances earlier this year in world of sport uh, so when mm-hmm. I was like, it's been a while since a program like World Sport has been on British TV. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on this uh, new like version of World of Sport? I thought it was great. I mean, uh, I, I love the fact for for starters that they're using that you know that brand name because mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that we um, you know pay homage to the to the incredible heritage that we have in this country as with, with pro wrestling. Um, and it, it's what so many people in this country have fought for um, for so long, you know, really since the late 80s, you know, when when um, when weekly wrestling was taken off of ITV. It's been described by some as like the holy grail, right, to get to get yeah. British wrestling on network television in a primetime slot uh, on a weekly basis. And, and uh, you know, 2018 was the year that that was finally able to happen. Um, you know, I think some of those guys uh, uh, have become or are becoming household names now. You know, mm-hmm. some of the guys who were prominently featured on it, people like Grado. I mean, Grado's popularity in Scotland, for example, yeah. uh, in particular around Britain, but especially in Scotland, is is huge. It's off the chart. You know, he's a, a television celebrity in his own right, quite, you know, quite aside from wrestling now. And World of Sport has helped with that a lot. You know, I think uh, the quality of the matches was incredible. Uh, and it was just, it was just a really exciting 10 weeks. You know, I, again, I, as a fan, I just loved tuning into it every week. And a lot of the people on there are friends of mine, obviously. So I was, I was really pleased for them to see them getting such a big platform to, on which to shine. And they did shine, you know, and I think, uh, they did us all proud. Um, and I really hope that, you know, I, I really hope that the, that the series gets renewed for a second season because I think it was, uh, it's one of the more, you know, if you weren't a wrestling fan, I think you would look at that and you would think that's one of the more exciting pieces of Saturday evening television that ITV have produced for a long time. And so I hope that that gets recognised and I hope that, um, you know, I, I hope we see a lot more of it in 2019 because it, it was great, yeah. And uh, with the talent involved, I can't see why they wouldn't want to bring it back for another season. No, of course. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was really just some of the absolute best in the country and um and they didn't disappoint you know they they put on some some of the best 
you know, wrestling you could you could hope to see. And there will there will be that's another new audience for British wrestling. There will be people just channel surfing, and they'll find that on ITV, and they'll say, "What was that? That's incredible! I didn't think wrestling was that." You know, I when I watched wrestling back in the mid '80s, it was Big Daddy or whatever, and now mm-hmm. you've got Will Ospreay. You know, it's an, it's a different planet, right? You know, no disrespect to Big Daddy at all. He was you know great for his time, but like, but it's an entirely different industry now. And there will be a, a good portion of the of of the British population who weren't aware of how how greatly British wrestling has evolved in those decades since it was last on national TV. And so hopefully um, the guys on World of Sport were able to you know educate the public about how good British wrestling is, and that that can only be good for the scene as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, with Bayday, it's like, gosh, for that time and uh, the talent on World of Sport now, it's definitely showcasing how far British wrestling the days of the original World of Sport. Yeah, you know, back in the day, like World of Sport used to, you know, very famously one year, World of Sport got more viewers on FA Cup final day than the FA Cup final did, you know, because the, uh, uh, the wrestling was on ITV, the FA Cup final was on BBC, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, World of Sport won that. That's how popular it was. You know, those guys in those days, your Big Daddy, your Kendo Nagasaki, your, your Giant Haystacks, Mick McManus, all those guys were were major household names. Uh, and, you know, if, if the current, if the new generation of, of British wrestling can, can uh, emulate that or, or even get close to emulating that, then that is a dream fulfilled for an awful lot of people um, who have worked really hard for it. Absolutely. Uh, now, in Defiant recently with the, the Ringmaster tournament that he's held back in July, he's kind of focusing on kind of bringing in some new talent to Defiant. And out of some of the people, the newer people that you've seen come in, who do you think uh, has the most kind of potential to be big with the Defiant wrestling audience out of some of these new people that are coming in? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there were some guys who were part of it who we'd seen it maybe once or twice before, but we hadn't mm-hmm. seen for a while. So John Badbones Klinger, who won it, mm-hmm. uh, for example, was someone who had been with us before, but not for a little while. Um, he terrifies me every time <laughs> I'm in a room with him. I think he's uh, the most physically intimidating human being or one of that you're ever, <laughs> that you're ever likely to meet. But he's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's from a fan's perspective, obviously it's, it's great to have him back. Um, I thought that um, El Fantasmo, who, who, um, came second in the tournament out of 16, um, was made as big of an impact in as short a period of time as anyone I can think of because, you know, two days earlier, he hadn't even been scheduled to be in the tournament. Uh, he was a replacement, a last-minute replacement. I think, it was, I think it was for Matt Riddle, from what I remember. Um, mm-hmm. Riddle had to pull out. And then, um, you know, El Fantasma was brought in um, unadvertised, really, until the very last minute. Um, and made it all the way to the final, wowed fans in the meantime, and he's become a staple of Defiant since, so there's him. Um, Omari, uh, who I think has a, a tremendous future. He was um, uh, he, he had a great match against Curtis Chapman. He had another one against David Starr. Um, since then, he's been in, locked in a couple of matches with uh, Lucky Kid, which have been great as well. He's, he's wrestled Klinger. So Omari is... Um, uh, He's a real incredible young athlete, and and he's different as well because he's he's very tall, very very kind of slim, a lot of uh, muscle definition. So he's got you know those long arms, long legs, which allows him to have a different style of offense to a lot of the guys who who we've been featuring. So there's there's him, and then and then aside, we did have some female competitors in the the uh, ringmaster tournament as well, uh, and I think our women's division has been 
um, going from strength to strength um, as well. So, you know, we had um, uh, obviously B, B Priestley is our, our current champion, uh, as I'm talking to you. Uh, we had uh, Millie McKenzie, who at the time when she won our women's championship in uh, February this year was just 17 years, of, years old. I mean, Millie McKenzie is one of the best female talents or, or talents, male or female, that I've seen in wrestling um, for a, a very, very long time. And she's great. Uh, she was, I think she was part of the tournament, actually. And then we've got, you know, Lana Austin, uh, Kanji, who we saw uh, debuting on Loaded on, on our first episode last week. Um, so loads of those, um, you know, our women's division is really exciting as well. Um, and yeah, you know, the Ringmaster tournament was one of those moments to try and um, to try and showcase some new people, to try and introduce them to the fans, test the waters, see how the fans reacted. And we had several really great discoveries from those two days and the fans took to them immediately. Uh, and as, as you've seen since, they've become a big part of our promotion. Definitely. And for me personally, when I, seen, when I saw the participants announced, I saw the likes of uh, Stevie Boy and BT Gun. Uh, it, was, it was quite nice to see them because uh, they've been getting quite a lot of notoriety in Scotland and with companies mm-hmm. like ICW, but they hadn't really had the same exposure in England. So it was nice to see those two getting an opportunity and Kaylee Ray as well. Yeah, I mean, Kaylee Ray has been our, our, uh, a crucial part of our women's division. She was our, our women's champion uh, for a long, long time. Um, Kaylee's incredible and she is just, um, she is such a, a, a good person to have around the locker room as well because she has a, a wealth of experience um, from Scotland and elsewhere that she brings, you know, that she brings whenever she's with us. So that's incredible. BT Gun uh is uh is a great talent as well like you say stevie boy is as well we've only we've only had stevie boy once or twice in defiant but i was impressed when i saw him um and you know it, it, as much as as british wrestling has had a tremendous uh um boom period over the last few years um scottish wrestling has been an enormous part of that obviously icw most famously but other other promotions as well and scottish wrestling has produced some real real um top talent in the last few years I think uh, Stevie Boy around that time, I believe he's he got injured and he's still recovering from an injury, which is a shame because this could have been a really mm. big step for him to get more exposure in England. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see more of him. I did, I wasn't aware he's injured, but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it'd be great to see great to see him again when he's when he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I to go back to the question I meant to ask earlier on when you talked about getting get into wrestling and. I started watching. I think a lot of fans uh, point where they watch the wrestling kind of imagine themselves uh, in the ring. Did you ever, at any point when you were younger, have any desire to possibly become a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, tra- I trained briefly, very briefly. Uh, when I was, how old was I? 19. So in about 2002, uh, I went to a school called uh, NWA UK Hammerlock. Um, which is actually a very famous school because it produced um, Doug Williams, Zack Sabre Jr., Finn Balor came from there, um, uh, lots of top guys. That's when I first met Zack, actually. So when I first met Zack Sabre Jr., I was 19 and he was 14. You know, we were uh, both starting to learn to wrestle. And, it, uh, you know, obviously he, <laughs> he stuck at it and turned out to be uh, one of the best in the world. And I gave it up after about eight weeks and went and traveled. I, I, I was on a gap year between school and university. So I went and uh, <laughs> went and traveled and realized that, uh, that uh, 
I think maybe those athletic endeavours were maybe uh, not for me. But you know, and I, I I went to the FWA Academy for a couple of sessions and um, uh, drop kicks in Essex. So I, I saw briefly before I realised that I had zero coordination and wouldn't be able to be a wrestler. Uh, I saw, um, you know, what the what, what how the sausage is made, if you like, right? <laughs> so I saw, you know, I saw at the time what were you know probably three of the um, most important um, you know training facilities in the UK. I, I met a few guys who I would get on to know a lot better sort of six years later when I became a commentator um, in those early days. So I'm, I'm glad I did it. I, I, um, but yeah, I very quickly learned that I'm better with my voice than trying to fling myself around a wrestling ring. If you've ever seen, there was a, there was a um, some, some YouTube footage that Defiant put out. Sometimes after we go off air on Defiant, you know, some, some uh, interesting things continue to happen. And at one time I was invited into the ring to do a, uh, hit a stone cold stunner on, on James R. Kennedy. Uh, and if you, if you, if any, if anyone's seen that footage and saw my attempt at a stone cold stunner, you will realize why I'm not a professional wrestler. Yeah. I think I've heard about the, uh, the stunner parties that I heard they were described by one of the YouTube personalities. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, uh, we're, yeah, we're all fans. And so we, everyone likes to hit a stone cold stunner every now and then. Um, but it turns out it's a lot harder than you think to hit a Stone Cold Stunner. I will say that. Like, you know, it's hard. To, I, I tried to hit one and I, I landed on my back. And I was like, wait, I think I've accidentally hit an RKO instead of, <laughs> instead of, a, instead of a Stone Cold Stunner. Because, um, uh, as I say, I don't have any coordination. So there we are. You know, well, it's kind of one of those things you never know. Uh, and you never know unless you try, unless you had tried before you decided uh, it wasn't for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped me learn some fundamentals, actually, you know what I mean? So I, I did learn how to do, I learned how to bump, you yeah. know, how to do the back bump and the side bump, front bump. Uh, I tried to do a couple of flip bumps, uh, but those, <laughs> those were uh, a little bit beyond me. Um, but, you know, I learned um, I learned some of the basic kind of mat wrestling that um, that you need to know, you know, when you start out. And that that, that helps me as a commentator, actually, because I, I you know, if, if you go to a good training school, they'll teach you, um the the psychology the the logic behind every move so you know when someone's doing a a wrist lock a hammer lock uh you know any of those basic holds like what what is the actual physical point of that move supposed to be and so if you you know if you're if you've got some kind of understanding of of why someone is is applying a hold to someone else then that does help you to be able to tell the story of the match so it was you know it, it 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 was uh, an experience that helped me later on, just not in the way that I expected. Yeah. Uh, one of the last question before well, I was going to ask a uh, favorite match you've called in your career, but I've kind of tried to simplify a bit more and put either your favorite match that you've called as part of Define and your favorite match you've called as part of NGW. Oh, um, Defiant. Um, I don't know. I mean, there were so many, particularly during the Pro Wrestling World Cup, like you talked about, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't know about an individual match. I'll, I'll say that uh, um, one of the coolest experiences for me was that um, that True Legacy show, the one I talked about that yeah. we did in an ice rink in October 16, because we had, apart from the fact that it was Kurt and Cody headlining, which is incredible, uh, from a, from my point of view, I got to uh, commentate with, with Jim Cornette, who's... Um, obviously a legend in the in the pro wrestling business i've known jim actually for 
uh, about four and a half, five years now. Um, but I'd never commentated with him until 2016. So that was that was really fun for me. You know, and it was one of those, you know, they say the, the phrase is marking out, right? You yeah. know, when you're when you're in, in inside, you're trying to play it cool, but you're kind of, uh, you know, in your head, you're, um, you're just, as a fan, you're just like, this is really cool, you know? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I had one... Definitely that night was one of those moments as well, particularly as well because of the size of the venue and the size of the crowd. So that was really, um, really important for me. Um, oh, in NGW, there's been um, some real uh, incredible moments. We had um, Nathan Cruz winning the title uh, this past year was a, a real sort of stunning moment uh, when Matt Myers actually won the the NGW undisputed title as well. That was that was. Uh, the, the the eruption of noise from you know the crowd in Hull City all for that was was something as well. So there's that, and you know I also I, I nowadays I work for um, two other promotions as well. Um, so um, Will Osprey uh, has a promotion now called Frontline Wrestling, which just started up this year. Uh, they're based in uh, East London, so that their shows so far have been in Stratford, East London, uh, and he's doing some really cool stuff because uh, Will really wants Frontline to be very much like a, um, you know, he's bringing over what he loves from Japanese wrestling and trying to, um, you know, reproduce it in, in a British promotion. And so they've just started, um, it's called the J1 League, which is a, a, a round-robin tournament um, with 12 of the best, um, you know, talents in, in um, from around the world competing there. So I think we've already had a few, couple of really good matches there. I think that's going to extend into uh, throughout 2019. So that's a tournament to to watch in the new year. And I, I also work for uh, GWF, the German Wrestling Federation. Uh, I got, you know, f um, friendly with them through the stuff we did with them as part of the Pro Wrestling World Cup. Um, and now I, um, uh, I I commentate their monthly shows for them as well. And there's, um, as I said, the, the, the German wrestling scene was something I wasn't that familiar with until the, the World Cup. And then, uh, and since then, I've been able to get to know their roster uh, really really well I was over there for uh, Legacy their biggest show of the year at the start of November commentated that live in Berlin which was great um, you know Lucky Kid is over there John Badbones Klinger uh, Tarkan Aslan um, some other guys who you might not have heard of um, you know over in the UK yet Jem Kaplan who's their um, Berlin champion he's going to be really big in the next few years I think um, so there's uh, I could name more and I'll, I'll stop because I'll miss someone out and they'll, they'll be <laughs> upset but um but yeah, you know, so there's, uh, I'm very fortunate. I get to, I get to work in four different really exciting promotions at the moment um, who are all different to each other, but are all really exciting in their own way. Uh, and I, I sometimes, I tell people all the time, I tell friends when, you know, when, when they talk to me about what I'm doing for a living, you know, I just, I say, I get to sit in the front row of, of, you know, watching the thing I love more than anything on earth. And I get to, uh, tell people what I'm thinking about it, you know, and, and that's what I get paid to do. And I said, I, you know, I couldn't think of a better job to do. It's just, it's absolutely the coolest thing in the world. Definitely a great way to describe it. And I think it is probably a dream job for most wrestling fans. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to pinch myself even now, you know, as I say, I, with a couple of years off when I moved uh, briefly to the U S you know, I've, I've been doing this, as I say, for uh, over 10 years. Um, and, and, uh, from the very beginning, you know, you get the goosebumps every time you go out there and I still get it now. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll never, never not get that because it's just, uh, it's the, 
greatest form of entertainment on earth is professional wrestling and and to have that to have that front row seat you you almost feel it's unfair you know <laughs> it's unfair yeah. to be able to to uh uh to you know not not only did i not pay for that seat but i get to i'm getting paid to do it you know it's just like it's uh yeah it's it's a really it's a, an honor to be a part of this industry i love it uh, before we go i just want to ask uh, Tom about Lodica on that and recently the announcement of uh pack coming to defiant and loaded is yes. obviously a big major coup for defiant uh, uh what was your reaction when you heard uh how it was going and uh, are you looking forward to finally getting to call his matches? Yeah, well, my reaction was the same reaction as everyone else's. So we announced it live at Refuse to Lose, which was our uh, our pay-per-view at the start of November. And the crowd just went absolutely insane. Um, and, you know, I did too, because obviously we're a, we, we, we do shows in a lot of places, but Newcastle is our hometown as a promotion in Defiant. And obviously it's his hometown too. And mm-hmm. so for him to essentially be coming home, you know, and performing uh, on Loaded is going to be for free on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, fans will get to see that without having to, you know, without having to pay a penny uh, is, is uh, just such a gift. You know, it was, I, I remember thinking when he finished his working relationship with WWE um, that I was, my instant reaction was um, maybe selfishly, but my instant reaction was, this is great because hopefully we can have him work for us. Uh, and it would just, you know, that will be, um, you know, something really incredible. I worked, you know, I've, I've commentated on on Pack um, a few times earlier in his career before he went to WWE. So I, I was able to commentate on him against Daniel Bryan actually for a, mm-hmm. um, for IPW back in the day. I think that was maybe 2009 something. So I, I've met him a few times, um, uh, but you know, to have him back as an active part of the UK scene and unloaded is going to be um, something. So we're recording those those his debut with Defiant um, will be in Newcastle on January the 5th um, so I'll, I'll do a quick plug so you can uh, yeah. get tickets for that if you want wearedefiant.com forward slash tickets uh, he's uh, it's announced that he's going to be uh, he's going to be wrestling on that first on, on the 5th of January and he's also announced for the second show uh, of the the second taping of the year for Loaded which is in February as well so um, so there's yeah there's going to be several chances to see him hopefully um, but you know, you want to see that first debut of Pack for Defiant. It's, uh, I can't wait. I mean, it's what a way to start a new year for me. You know, it's and for everyone else involved in Defiant to uh, to be five days into the new year and get to have uh, a loaded taping where that's happening is going to be uh, really exciting. So yeah, that's going to be cool. Absolutely, I think a lot of people. One of the promotions in about where Pack would go once he was free from his WWE contract, probably Defiant was up there because it was in his own town. It would good chance for him to come home and wrestle and I think obviously with the talent and defying uh, there's some dream matches to be had there with maybe El Fantasma or perhaps Walter yeah well you know I don't know who he's going to be uh, competing against yet we'll, we'll find out but yeah there's a long list you know if you asked uh, if you went on you know asked defiant fans on Twitter or somewhere like where who they want to see pack face I you know I guarantee you get 20 different answers um, and they'd all be great answers you know there's there's a, a a great, as I said, a great depth of roster there, to, and so many guys with whom Pat could have an incredible match. So, um, so that's another reason to be excited about the new year because there's just so many that opens up so many possibilities having him with us. Absolutely, uh, Dave. I thank you again for uh, doing this interview. Oh, pleasure to be here. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thank. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you. It's been good chatting to you.
Yeah. All right, man. See you soon. All right. All right. Bye.